Hello and welcome to Core Truth, the podcast show, where we will discover the core truth that controls our experience of life. I'm your host, Mark Follett, and together with my friend, mentor, and author of the book, The Truth of Love and Fear, Rudy Ecker, we will peel back the outer layers of consciousness in order to understand and realize the nature of our perceptions and the beliefs that control the experience of our lives. We will uncover the true nature of consciousness, what drives our personal actions, behavior, and feelings in life, and what really motivates mankind. So we welcome you to join us on a journey of self-discovery, self-realization, and self-awareness to give you a new insight into who you believe you are. This is Core Truth, where we discuss the philosophy of core belief therapy created by Rudy Eckhart. I'm your show host, Mark Follett, and today we're going to discuss, or at least commence the discussion, on victimhood and victims. How are you, Rudy? Very well, thank you, Mark. That's yeah, it's a, it's a, it's something that's been close to my heart because, now for a whole number of reasons, um, mainly because victimhood and being a victim is present in one form or another in most people. So it is as prevalent as fear is generally a problem for most people. So. When we talk about victims and victimhood, nobody wants to see themselves as a victim. Um, if they are called victims, then they will give you a million reasons why that label is um, not justified and that they have real reasons to feel, um, let's say, victimized by the world, others, etc. So people are loathing to give in to the idea that they are victims. Mm. It, but at the same time, if um, if, they are, if they are in actual fact victims, but they feel challenged on the subject, that will give you a million and one reasons why that is a totally justified state of mind. Mm. I think we should probably set the scene and take some time with this because we, we had a bit of a discussion before we started the podcast about the amount of um, subject matter that's behind this topic, and there's quite a lot. So we're planning on on actually doing this over several podcast episodes just to ensure that we cover the, the topic and material property and properly. And so the way we're looking at do that is talk about what, what are victims? Why, why do we have victims and how are they, how do people become or they, how do they um, exist in victimhood? And we can go back to our, back to childhood things. Um, but we want to continue that discussion a little further uh, and eventually end up explaining how victimhood plays out in the world and, and rather than just plays out in the individual. But I think the, the important thing for people to understand um, is that the flip side of victimhood or, or sorry, the, yeah, the flip side of victimhood is true power in the world because when you're a victim, you, you're powerless. And so this really applies to anybody and not just people you would consider living in victimhood. I guess, as you said, we're all to some extent, we do this to some extent in some area of our lives. It's not just people you say, you know, some people are obviously living in victimhood and other people it just plays out in certain areas of their life. So we mm. want to make it relevant to everybody. Even to the extent that some people who absolutely will deny that they're victims um, are victims in fact, but played it out in a very different way. We'll, we'll get to all of that, mm. right? Mm. Um, look, the, the first thing that about victims, as you mentioned earlier, is that victims are generally people who feel powerless in their lives. Um, they could be just powerless in particular areas of their lives. Could be decision-making, could be making choices, could be confrontation, 
could be uh, fear of being challenged, could be the fear of having expectations and responsibilities placed on you, mm-hmm. could be um, um, having to perform a task and not being able to complete it, being challenged by complication, being challenged by having to learn stuff, having to remember it. Um, there's so many different areas that you can be a victim that it's probably every part of life. In every part, you you can might as well say in every part that you can be positive, there's a opportunity to be negative. And in some very fundamental way, which will 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 cover some of the things I'm saying in different ways throughout this whole conversation that we're going to have. But in a general sense, a victim is someone who perceives that the power that controls them is outside of themselves. And so they perceive that they don't have control or influence over their lives and have the experience of other forces, other people, other circumstances that they see to be external, um, to be influential of how they experience their life. And so there's so many different areas in this that we will cover them, but it will be a step-by-step process. Listing them all would be pretty pointless. Mm. Um, I'd rather address a particular issue or a particular thing around victimness and then elaborate a little bit on it in order to give an explanation to it rather than just labeling it. Is blame always involved in in that uh, someone that's in victimhood feels that other influences control their life and then they blame that external influence for when things don't go the way they want them to go or the way they're living their life? Is that always involved? That's always involved, without a doubt. Um, There's also a fear of being blamed and being accused and held accountable, which they would then be the victim of. So therefore, they do the reverse and tend to blame and hold other people accountable or justify their um, the experience that they have, which is then a negative experience by um, blaming other forces over which they have no control, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And so because being the creator of your own reality, which is what all this really comes down to, right? What it comes down to is like, do you accept that you are the creator of your reality and do, therefore take responsibility for your life? Or do you see yourself as the victim of reality and therefore refuse to take any responsibility for anything? Mm. Um, so that, between these two extremes, there are different levels of, right? So, is it, is it fair to say a lot of people would say, oh, I feel like I am the creator of my own experiences in some areas of my life, but in other areas I feel like the other people influence what I do and what happens to me. And, yeah, definitely. You know, and, and, and I think... The, the important thing that underpins your philosophy is that you create your reality all the time. Without without, without exception. exception, right? Incessantly. <laughs> yeah, incessantly. Um, and, and, and there's obviously two problems with this for, for everyone. Is that A, you don't understand completely how you do that, how you create your own reality. And if you don't understand how you create your own reality, then you don't understand how you create victimhood for yourself. And that is, it is really as simple as that. Mm. Uh, so our conversation is about victimhood is to give you a more deeply of an understanding of how you are the creator of your own life. 
and how you will, and this will be in the latter part of these podcasts, uh, how there are some ways that you can start changing this for yourself. Mm. So we get into all of that. But first of all, we need to understand what it is that victimhood is all about and how it separates us from the power of being the creator of our own life experiences. Yeah, that, that's really the key point, isn't it? Is that the flip side of being a victim is feeling like you have the power and control to be free in the world to do what you want to do. I mean, that's the that's the flip side of this. And as you said, we're going to first of all talk about victimhood and talk about the negative beliefs around victimhood. But then we're we're going to guide the podcast in the direction of how to see this in yourself and how to move past it uh, in yourself, and then how to move. Um, how to look at the world at large and see what what um, what victimhood play, how it plays out in, in the world at large in collective consciousness. Mm. Um, but did you want to talk a little more about um, why why we have victims? Why 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 we have victimhood? What what is the intent and the purpose behind this victimhood thing? And how does it come about? Is it, I imagine it's a childhood experience, um, like like we've been talking about with the philosophy with most things where that fear is involved and a, and a lack of love, acceptance and trust is involved that creates this, that seems to be the... Yeah, but to me, to, what to me is a very interesting thing that, that probably isn't realised is that once you've locked into a victim state, generally or in specific areas, there's a tendency not to learn and not to change. Mm. There's a tendency to... Um, to hang on to this state and lock into it and to justify de- to it. To define yourself by it. To define yourself yeah. by it and um, therefore refuse to look at it in a way whereby a situation could actually become a learning experience from which you could grow. So to understand that also is, of course, to understand that, that fear has a massive influence in all of this. Because victimhood is a product of fear. And fear is a product of powerlessness. And so, in any situation where we feel powerless, there is fear. The fear that we won't survive, the fear, and and I don't talk about, I'm not talking about physical survival here, I'm talking about emotional survival. So the fear that we won't survive emotionally, and I'll just elaborate on that slightly so you know what that means. Not surviving emotionally means that you will not be loved, you will not be wanted, you will not belong, you will not be able to trust anything, you will not be acceptable in any way. That is that is our greatest fear from an emotional perspective. Mm. Because we don't feel we, we, we could exist or cope unless we have those things. In our when life. we have those elements, yeah. right? So people, people that live as victims have the negatives of this, because they don't feel lovable, they don't feel acceptable, they don't feel powerful, they don't feel they have control, they don't feel they have influence, they don't feel they can trust, right? So there are belief systems in them that support that notion, right, that that concept, and lives very strong in them because the fear is quite strong. General behavior of a victim is avoidance or attack, Mm. which means that victims are either passive and avoid any kind of confrontation in which they feel powerless, or the fear of powerlessness is so great in that individual that the only way they see out of that is by becoming aggressive and controlling. Mm. 
and mm. dominating in order to waylay their um, victim self, if you like, in which they, which they believe exists within them. Because the last thing they want to be is the victim. So the first thing they want to be is in control. Mm. I'd, I'd like to probably take those two examples, the, the passive and the aggressive, and maybe talk about the the individual or the self that would be involved as a as a passive victim and let's let's sort of talk around an example of someone that's in that space and what type of parents they would have had and what type of upbringing they would have had that made them into a into a passive victim if you like what what is what is the what well, is the mechanism that, that works at play the here the mechanism the mechanism between the aggressive victim and the passive victim is pretty consistent in actual fact um because passive victims are people that feel powerless in life, they have a, um, a need for protection, security, being looked after, having, uh, having to avoid confrontation, uh, difficulties, uh, aggression, um, being, being, um, um, being held accountable and responsible, all those things. Do, do they end up elements, having, feeling like they have to please other people as well? Is that, that can be an element of that? Right. Yeah. That it generally it can be, that is kind of more an aggressive strategy in the sense that they are active. So they're not passively waiting to be saved. They actually engage in an activity which they believe will get them to be liked, wanted, accepted, mm, okay. included, etc. And also, um, it's an activity. The activity of pleasing is a way to get other people to like you and to want you mm-hmm. and to be in favor, right? Um, and so, and so that it, I, I take that to be more of an aggressive approach mm-hmm. for that reason. Uh, there's a more extreme of the aggressive approach, which is being dominating and controlling mm-hmm. and, and presenting yourself in the world as if you can do anything and know everything and are capable of everything and never fail at anything because you fear failure, you fear not being able to cope. You need to present yourself and prove to the world that you can, right? So unfortunately, a lot of this kind of personality is actually um, become leaders, and I'll go into that more deeply again. Um, the, the passive victim, right, if you like, the avoider, the one that... Um, cannot cope with life in general for all the reasons I've outlined earlier, um, they will look in relationships for someone who will carry the burden of that responsibility of keeping them safe for them. So someone you think of as like a, almost a, an emotional doormat, like someone that just doesn't... No, not, not quite, not no, no. no like, I'm no. just trying to understand the behavior of someone that no, is... No, not an emotional doormat. Um they, they are an emotional themselves. doormat themselves. Okay, that's yeah. Okay, so right. they are the emotional doormat yes. in the relationship. What happens is that, that that they will choose someone who, through their behavior and through their presentation of themselves and through their way they talk, communicate and present themselves, appears to be someone that would save them and confront for them and take care of them uh, in all the situation and all the circumstances that they are afraid to engage in. Right, so they look for someone who will save them, to put it basic in a basic form. And the unfortunate part is that uh, they will be attracted to someone only or generally uh, if that person is overtly that kind of personality that shows 
that a strong, powerful can do. However, that personality is likely to be an aggressive victim. In other words, somebody who displays behaviors that is trying to prove to the world and through the world themselves that they are in control, powerful, have influence, can deal with anything, can confront, even though they don't they 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 don't recognize that their aggression and their dominating and controlling behavior is totally unjustified and um has negative connotations, right? So those two will be attracted to each other. So then um it's often that the woman, unfortunately, and I'm not being sexist here, but it's just generally the case, but there are men in the same situation who will who would choose aggressive dominating women controlling women or women who are uh, busy proving themselves in the world, proving their independence, their self-sufficiency. And then there are, um, uh, generally though, it's more that most women look for a man who displays all these characteristics of um, being in control, being in charge, knowing what he's doing, being confident and all this sort of stuff. Um, they will be attracted to that personality. So then you get an, a, a passive victim being together with an aggressive victim, which is a perfect complement, mm, mm. if you like, because actually what he wants is somebody who needs him to be this person in order for him to just not justify but feel the significance and the value of his own beingness by being her protector, right? Mm. And she is looking for someone who will, will protect her, right, and keep her safe. So it's kind of the ideal relationship from an issue perspective, but not from I am the creator of my own life perspective, okay? <laughs> I'm thinking, it just keeps popping up in my head. I, I remember many, many years ago, um, my, my wife Leah, and, and I'm sure she'll uh, enjoy me talking about our, our personal relationship on the show but um we had a we had a big argument one day and it, actually we had several arguments about um directions we were going going this is before we had gps's which told you directions um but you know when you had ubd books and you had to try and find directions to someone's house you know yeah. and if if i was doing the driving i'd expect her to navigate and and vice versa but generally i'd be driving and trying to find the place and Leah would be trying to to navigate, and I think in general the 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 dynamic was probably like you mentioned, where I was more the responsible, controlling, over responsible type of person, and Leah was more the the passive type victim, I guess, in this scenario that we're talking about. And uh, we had some massive arguments because I I had actually started in that scenario, tried to put some expectations um, on Leah to try and come up with some directions that would actually help us get where we wanted to go, because I was obviously focused on driving. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work. <laughs> and I think I actually totally get out of the car at one point. But, um, you know, I, I'm just going to, so I guess I'm pointing out that those matches that you're talking about, it would become a stressful situation. They start to break down because you can only hold on to that. Um, I can only, in that scenario, I can only convince and be responsible to a point. And then when I can't sort of bridge the gap anymore, then it becomes a problem, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So, so what happens is that initially, the aggressive controlling party, if you like, the dominating party who presents himself as being able to do and uh, achieve and um, uh, save, if you like, 
any situation, any circumstance for his partner. That's it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> finds himself that no matter how, how much he tries to help her to bridge her fears and insecurities and her powerlessness, that she actually is not changing. And that's where the learning that doesn't happen, um, because when you're a victim, you don't learn, um, doesn't really happen. And, and, and so there's no progress. There's no growth in the individual. Yeah, because in that scenario, we both blamed each other for the problem. You know, and, of course you and, do. And neither of us got anywhere with that. Well, we she blamed each other and got angry, and then that didn't get resolved. Well, in that moment, the woman would um, feel that she's betrayed because she's supposed to be able to depend and rely on you for everything that she's afraid of. And there she is with a map in front of her that she fails to understand and fails to see where we're at and fails to know um, what is actually going on in respect to what she's doing. And she's always been afraid of it. She's never been able to do it. And she's never made the effort to learn it because she is already under the assumption that she will never understand it. And so the deal was that her partner was supposed to do all of this. And now she's put in a position where she has to do it. And he places an expectation on her and she can't fulfill the expectation. So both parties are in stress. Him, because... He, he, he thinks after all the times that you've looked at a map and all the times that you find your way, right? For God's sake, it's so simple. Look at the map and just tell me where we are. And she's confused, doesn't know what she's looking at and she can't tell him. So he's frustrated because she's not progressing and learning. And she is upset and angry because he was supposed to save her from all this. And so. From that moment on, the issues will just grow unless both parties understand what's going on and do something about it. These sort of relationships often often break down very early because they're often idyllic to begin with because he wants to be everything for her and she wants him to be everything for him, for her, I should say. She wants to be everything for her and... He feels that now he's got meaning and purpose, someone to look after, someone to protect, that gives him value and significance. And she feels he's now safe and secure and all the responsibility of life has fallen off her shoulders, right? And so obviously this can never be maintained. Mm. One person can never be responsible for somebody else's life, feelings and emotions. No one can ever put a responsibility for their fears on another person and expect consistently that to be a solution for their life insecurities. Mm. And so that goes both ways. Yeah. You're, a man's value and significance in terms of um, uh, his masculinity or his sense of ego or his sense of can do and can achieve and be somebody cannot be dependent on him being with the victim. Mm. Because if that's the case, it only proves that his sense of power is not real. It's ego-based. So when when a personality, because, it, I mean, this comes down to talking about power as well to some extent. Mm. Um, when When you can only gain power or have power or have a sense of power by attracting powerless people into your environment, 
By having control over someone who's weak. Who's weak, basically, right? right? Because they give you control, right? <laughs> Actively seek. Then you're not truly being a powerful person. Mm. Generally, then, you, if you are in that position, there's a need for you for them to remain powerless. Mm. Because if they don't remain powerless, you will lose your power. So you will likely engage in behavior which disempowers people and then blame them for your being powerless. So you do both. In the one hand, you blame for being powerless, but you couldn't stand if they were powerful mm. because then you would feel challenged. So, so in that way, you, you, the proof of the pudding is if you are like a boss or an owner of a business and you hire people, but you don't hire people that are better skilled, uh, have more knowledge, are stronger emotionally, are more determined, more assertive than you are, right? Because that would usurp your power in the business. So then you need to hire people who are dependent, indecisive, who need um, to be led instead of being leaders. You start hiring that kind of people, but then you will constantly find the that they will make you responsible for certain decisions and choices you should not be responsible for, which then allows you to blame them for not being what they're supposed to be. Mm. But you don't take responsibility for the fact that you hired them in the first place, mm. right? It's, it's, it's a, I know it's a different place to personal relationships, but it's just a vignette, if you like, of, of how victimless, powerlessness, Passive victims and aggressive victims, how this plays out in life in so many situations. Absolutely. I can yeah? see that, that it would play out in, and I was thinking the same thing in, in, in business, in, in um, business, in personal relationships, yeah. in friendships, um, amongst colleagues, in sports, in you name it, <laughs> right? It plays out everywhere. Mm. That there is no exception to this because it's so prevalent, um, part of our, uh, emotional self-expression in life. So, all right. So, what's what's the intent behind victimhood? Like we talk, we've talked a little bit about intent. We're planning on probably doing a topic just on intent. But you've talked about belief systems having having an intent. So, what's the intent of someone who is living their life in victimhood? What what's what's the intent behind that state of being? Well, the intent behind that state of being is, um, and of course, when we talk about intent, it's not a conscious intent, of course. right? Uh, Sorry, I should say the intent of the belief system. The behind. intent of belief system rather than the intent of the person, but even though the intent of the belief system becomes the intent of the person, mm -hmm. but it's all subconscious, yes. right? So most victims would not be, nearly all victims, I would say, are not aware of what belief systems they walk around with and do not understand where their sense of disempowerment, helplessness, weakness, insecurity, which then manifests into anxiety, stress, fear, right? Um, how it is a product of the things that they bring into life, mm. right? Because in their perception, it is external. Other people are causing those issues. In the people. world, other people, circumstances uh, are the cause of it, mm. right? Um, so in that respect, uh, when we talk about the intent, the, the intent basically comes from powerlessness, helplessness, and having no control. Mm. So when you are a person with that mindset, the intent is to avoid 
any circumstance, situation um, that may be triggered in life in order not to be in a situation where you have no power. So to avoid being challenged, essentially, in those areas. Avoid the experience. Avoid the experience of having to take responsibility. Of having of having to experience. I know it sounds insistent, but it's just the, ex- the experience of being powerless, the experience of having to take responsibility, mm-hmm. the experience of aggressive confrontation, the experience of being wrong, the experience of being blamed, the experience of being made to feel guilty, the experience of. So basically it's the experience of everything negative in a, in a complete state of powerlessness and how to respond to that, mm-hmm. right? For the aggressive victim, the aggressive victim is someone who has all those same fears, right? But has strategically worked out on a subconscious level how to react and respond to these to avoid those fears becoming reality. So an aggressive victim will immediately become aggressive in order to deal with aggression, right? Will blame to avoid being blamed. Will um, 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 dismiss in order not to be responsible and accountable. Do you understand? Will dismiss responsibility. Will dismiss um, being involved. Will dismiss it's, it's kind of it's not my fault. And, and that's, and that's about that. always having to be right and never being wrong. You know, is that is that that is again because that that then keeps you away from experiencing failure, being not good enough, being inadequate, hopeless, mm. not knowing enough, not being educated enough. But, but as you said earlier, that avoids the learning experience you could get from being wrong. That is the problem. Yeah, I can see it. The problem on both sides is that one is very strategic in an aggressive way. And the other strategy is basically uh, founded in avoidance, not dealing with things mm. and expecting others to deal for them. Yeah. Mm. So, so, so that is that is the general behavior. And um, look, for for most people, it's probably not as extreme as we are talking, but it will come up in various aspects of life. Yeah. In your job, in your friendships, when you when you are afraid to lose a. Uh, a, a friendship and therefore don't speak up openly and freely as to what you feel, right? Um, you feel you'll be the victim of rejection, the victim of being, uh, creating a furor or a conflict, right? Or um, the victim of being blamed and accused. So, so in those terms, you know, victimhood comes up in many places. Mm. How many people are afraid to ask for a raise or to ask for just treatment in the workplace or to say no to the workload that they're being put under because they feel that they'll be the victim of being fired, rejected, or being made to feel inadequate, hopeless, or useless. Uh, often aggressive victims, and I mean aggressive in a, how can I put it? I can't say aggressive in a positive way because it's never aggressive in a positive way, but these are strategies that are quite um, celebrated actually um, the people that for instance are over responsible perfectionists people who need to deliver 200% over 100% and are prepared to sacrifice their life their well-being their health um, their um, time in order to prove to their bosses or to others 
that um, they can do and they can achieve and they can do it right and um, because they live in total fear of being failures, of not being good enough, of being inadequate, of not of being incompetent, yeah. of not uh, meeting standards and values, you know. And so, and so, victimhood runs in many different corners. Mm. It's fascinating, isn't it? Uh, in the example that you gave about the person with the raise, I, I, I can think of conversations I've had with people where they say, "Oh, I'm not really happy with my bosses because they won't give me the pay that I deserve, or something like that, or they won't give me a raise." And you say, "Oh, have you asked for one?" "Oh, no, I couldn't do that." You know, that, that, that's what we're talking about, isn't it? That yeah, you go basic straight, stuff. You, you go straight to blaming someone for not getting things the way you'd like them without even trying to assert yourself and, and even asking for something that you want. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So that's more the, the passive side of that. Well, you know, the people have that sort of problem also have uh, issues with entitlement, having the right to have what they deserve. Um uh, having I don't, just, I don't think you're going to use that word "deserve." No, it's crept into you. <laughs> no. It crept in, yeah. But but deserve in the sense that they do a fair day's work oh, yeah. for a fair day's pay. Yes. you know, yeah. or or uh, that if they um, if they work overtime all the time uh, without getting paid for it, and then one time they come in late or they. Um, they want uh, a couple of hours off to go to the doctor. It becomes an issue. Mm. But it was never an issue when they're putting more time in. Yes. You know, that sort of unfairness where people deserve to be recognized for their contribution mm. and um, um, don't get just a reward, if mm. you like. Mm. And I think I think the reason for using the word deserve here because it's between two different entities yeah. Rather than applying it to yourself, do talking, I deserve? You're talking about a balance between um, between two, two two actual situations. Yeah. Like one person working, another person paying them for the work. There's yeah. A, yeah. Exactly. There's an equ- equilibrium that. Yeah. In that reach. sense, I think deserving is a good word. Right. It's a, it's it's the one you didn't like was when where you you don't believe you deserve to be loved or or yeah that sort of thing. Yeah. Right. We'll go into that another day, perhaps. Yeah. Well, victim, victimhood is a big, a big enough bite, right? <laughs> what we haven't spoken about so far, and it connects straight with um, what we talked about earlier, which is the aggressive victim and the passive victim and the passive and aggressive victim relationships that are formed, right? Because, of course, these relationships are formed and then children come, mm-hmm. right? And children arrive in the world and they arrive in the world where the one parent is the victim and the other one is the aggressor. But the aggressor is actually a victim of a different kind, <laughs> and so the, so you you there's often situations and there's a, um, a frequent um, type of relationship is where the woman is the victim, if you like, the passive victim, and the male is the aggressive victim. So when a child grows up in this, if it's a female child, a female uh, exposed to her mother's victimhood she tends to align herself automatically with the mother. So being a girl, being feminine, she thinks that that is the state that femininity and um, being a girl brings her to. So if a mother's a victim, then she's likely to believe that she would be powerless in the world as well, just like her mother is. Um, Her exposure to her father's behavior directly to her, but also her father's behavior towards her mother will define for her what her relationship with men will be like because 
her relationship with the father is the first relationship she will have with the opposite sex. For a boy born in that, in that environment, he will see his father treat his mother in that way. And he will, um, in a sense, either um, adopt his father's beliefs about women, his mother and his sister, uh, and believe that women are somehow powerless, helpless creatures that need to be taken care of. Or if the father is abusive, it's also possible for the father uh, to uh, actually turn the son off his own masculinity in the sense that he believes that through his father, he believes that being a man is somehow victimizing his mother. Mm. And he sees the aggression of his father as being a part of his masculinity. And then he fears being that aggressive part of a male in the normal sense, mm. um, which is like males generally have a, a level of uh, what we call aggressive creativity built inside of them, that it, it's normal. Men are more that way inclined. It's a quality which is the positive side of things rather than the negative side. Aggression doesn't have to be a negative process. Um, aggression can be a can-do, can-achieve, can-make-happen uh, in terms of life and relationships. Um, but he will suppress all that in fear that he will be to his mother what his father is to his mother, or he will become like his father and despise women for the weak creatures that they are. The girl may sympathize with her mother and be protective of her mother like her brother could have been, or she will see her mother as weak and powerless and fierce being like her mother and become uh, an aggressive victim and adopt the strategic behavior of her father to have control over her life. So it's not simple. <laughs> right. Let me be honest. It's not simple. Mm. So, that, right? so there are things that play out more commonly than others, but there are all combinations. There, there, there are still outcomes. So, so a girl can become. Um, okay, let's let's say this family we're talking about um, the passive woman and the the aggressive male who is actually a victim as well. If we take those two elements, right, and we add into that the element of fear of being responsible, right? The fear of being held accountable uh, and the fear which then often goes with the fear of having to meet expectations, having to meet the needs of others. Then the children in such a family, because the parents cannot cope very well with the expectations that children naturally have when they come into the world because they need to be taken care of, looked after, they need to be protected, they need to be taught, they need involvement, attention, and most of all, they need to be loved and accepted unconditionally, <laughs> right? They need that, there's definitely responsibility associated yeah, with Yeah, so there's a massive responsibility <laughs> with kids. If the parents are afraid of that and have issue with it and can't cope with that and become nervous, stressed, anxious, um, worried, uh, and all those things, and this behavior is displayed to their children, then their children will believe that, oh, my life is causing all this in my mother and father, and therefore my life is a burden. My my life is not really wanted because my parents really don't want to be involved with me, take care of me, be there for me, 
be dependable for me and love and accept me unconditionally. So I have to be as independent and self-sufficient as possible. Now, to the passive child, the child that turns out to be the passive one, right? The passive victim, right? Because if their parents are powerless, then they learn powerlessness before they learn anything else, right? Uh, the passive one will then go into avoidance and go in all the avoidance behavior that we earlier described. And the the child that either the girl that doesn't want to be like the mother or the boy that takes on the father, right? His behavior as being true, right? They will show fierce independence, self-sufficiency. I can do, I can achieve anything. I can, you know, because they don't want to be dependent on their parents. So how does victimhood play out for them? Because you would see them as really, I mean, outwardly, you'd look at them and go, they're fiercely independent. They're over-responsible. How, how, like in the, in the traditional sense of the word victimhood, you wouldn't say they're victimhood type Of course people, you wouldn't. Right? But what kind of partners would they attract? Well, they can only attract people who, yeah, don't take responsibility. So, so no matter which way you look at it, life will bring you into situations where you will be confronted with your own victimhood mm. through other people or through circumstances. Right. Yeah. Now, quite often the aggressive victims develop quite, let's call them, Partially effective, because I'll, if I use the word effective, it's almost like, all right, if I'm a victim and I'm aggressive and I, I got these strategies to deal with life, then um, if they work, then they must be effective. So what does it matter? Mm-hmm. You know, as long as I have control over my life, what does it matter that I deep down am a, 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 a victim who uses aggressive strategies? Because if I survive, if I can get what I want, if I, if I, if I, right? Why should I even bother mm. looking at myself? Well, the point of it is that all your strategies will fall apart sooner or later. Mm. And they fall apart in interesting ways, you know? I'd like, I'd like to add something to that from my own experience that I think keeping up those strategies is also exhausting. The amount of energy that's involved in keeping up those strategies you're, you're talking about for overcoming your fears and insecurities is exhausting and stressful in itself because you have to keep up something that you like a facade you have to keep building a yeah. facade that you and then I think when you get older you see people get more themselves in a way and um, and they tend to drop those facades and they become old and cranky or you know whatever well that, that that would probably be a good scenario if, if actually if if that was all that happened right <laughs> That'd be great. Mm. But understand that, um, as you say, that strategies uh, of this kind are a product of fear. So strategies are always behaviors that have in the mind of the user of that strategy the chance to fail. And because there's a chance to fail, there's fear. And strategies are only as good as you can apply them and make them work. Right, there's nothing natural about strategies. They are concocted, if you like, uh, if they are formally created, or uh, if they're a product of behavior. Um, they are just ways by which to achieve an end, which does not reflect any in any way uh, an harmonious. Um, how can I say that? and harmonious energy in life because there's fear involved. 
they generally fail in relationships very early, your strategies. Um, they will fail at work, um, usually in pockets in certain areas. Um, they um, will fail you in terms of your health because of the constant stress that your strategic behavior puts you under. Uh, you're not actually, your ego may be uh, fed by the use of strategies and the supposed successes they create, but uh, your body and your health and your mental well-being will suffer severely over time. And so there's no win in any of it. Mm. That is just an illusion. It's a very temporary win if there is anything at all. Well, the win is in the moment, but not in the long term. Mm. The problem also with it is the win is only for you. And this is what a lot of these people don't realize. The win is just yours. Most of the time, your win is somebody else's loss because of the fact that there's a fear-based strategy. And as you say, there's no learning for either party in, in that. If, so, if, if your strategy makes you win in the moment and someone else lose in that moment, you're right, you've made someone else wrong. Um, neither of you learned from that. Okay, well, right? you're right. Take it in terms of power, right? That a, a ego-powerful person needs powerless people around himself which you might as well put underneath victims, all right? Mm -hmm. Victims of sort, yes. right? So powerless people are victims of sort, right? So he needs powerless people around himself, but he doesn't want those people to be powerful because then he would lose his power. So in his continuous process to be in power, he needs to continue to disempower. So in that respect, nobody's learning. He's not growing. He's not understanding himself. He's not growing away from his ego power state, right? And they are not being empowered to know, to learn, to grow, to expand their consciousness because he wants to keep them exactly where they are. Mm. And they don't have their own impetus, if you like. They don't have their own drive to learn because they are people that are living in fear. And as we determined earlier on, when you're in that state of mind, learning becomes growing and learning and expanding your mind becomes very, very difficult, if not, will stay on zero level. We, I would say it would even feel unsafe because then you'd have to give up your fears in, 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 to be able to grow. Yeah, but that is why they don't grow. That's why they don't grow, because yeah. it doesn't feel safe to change them. So, so, so if you put opposite that, a truly empowered person who has confidence within themselves, they have in themselves no other mission because they have not got the desire to appear to be looking as someone who takes responsibility for everybody, is in charge. They don't need to be seen to be in control, right? They don't have the need for recognition and praise and adulation that they're great, wonderful, because they don't have any need for it. Because they live within themselves, they know who they are, they enjoy what they are, and they, they are proud of who they are, and they feel safe to express themselves to the fullest extent, right? They're aware of what they know, and they're also aware because of that what they don't know. They're prepared to learn because for them, there is no shame in learning. Mm. Do you understand? Mm. So this kind of personality 
wants nothing more than to empower other people so that they can be responsible for their lives, their work, their decision-making process, their relationships that they create, because that makes overall for a more powerful society or a more powerful relationship. Mm. So empowering people, right, becomes their mission in life, Mm. Mm. making people independent and self-sufficient rather than making people rely on themselves and having the secret wish inside themselves that everybody needs them because then they can stand on top of the mountain and say, you see, you all depend on me, <laughs> which, is, which means that they have a need to be indispensable to show and prove that nobody can do without them mm. because their worth, sense and value of being is, is, is dependent on others needing them. It's another powerlessness game. Is it, I don't know if anyone's read or if you've read, Rudy, the uh, Dr. Seuss story about Yertle the Turtle. No, I don't know story? Dr. Seuss. No. You don't know Dr. Seuss? Well, no. Yertle the Turtle, uh, there's a king, King Yertle, who decides he's the king of all turtles. He just self-proclaimed king of all the turtles. And he so and what he wants to be is the king of everything that he sees. So what he does is he gets the other turtles to stack themselves up and he stands on top of them. And it's never enough. He wants to be higher on the stack, right? So he wants more turtles to go on the stack underneath him. And he and he basically says to them, you know, you've got no rights. I'm the king. And I, I'm the king of everything that I see. I'm the king of fields and all sorts of things. Um, and one of the turtles down, right on the bottom, I think his name is Mac, he has he complains. He says, oh, can, we, we're really struggling down here because we haven't eaten and we, you know, you, you, you've put a thousand turtles stacked up and it's really starting to get to us. You're cracking our backs here. Um, King, King Yertle basically just dismisses him and says, you're nothing, you know, I'm really important up here. Um, and so obviously all these turtles are just doing what uh, what King Yertle says. But of course then Mac burps and the whole thing shakes and goes completely kaput and then King Yertle becomes king of the mud because he gets stuck in the mud. And uh, and that's his lot in life. Then after that he, he's very humble but because um, he realised that he's standing on the backs of other people of all of the other turtles yeah. to become king you know and yeah. um so one thing that we were going i think we we're going to probably wrap it up there for the discussion for this episode but in the next um discussion we want to explore further how how to identify in yourself where you're living your life in that victimhood state and how to start changing into a space which is what you're talking about of someone who's more unconditional um, who empowers people and empowers themselves in the process of uh, of getting out of their own victimhood. So at some stage we're going to get to that discussion as well, but there's so much more to talk about on this topic. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot because we took the time this time, unusually, for the first time ever. We actually made a list of topics that we should address because I think it's a really important subject because it 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 is the it is the difference between being the creator or being the sub- subject of what is around you. So it's the difference between being the victim or being the creator. So I think it's a very important definition to deeply understand and it's worth the time we're going to spend on it. Mm, mm, so I look forward to continuing this at, the, at our next podcast. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you again, Rudy, for your for your wisdom. And we'll talk to everybody, everybody next time. I thank everyone for listening. <laughs>